Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU basketball blows out a team at home for the first time this year. Unconventional domination. Tyler Hawes passes Danny Ainge in the process. College basketball stats guru Ken Pomeroy explains what makes Tyler so special. Plus, Blaine Fowler on the biggest storyline from Saturday night. And big deal, no deal returns. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties because it's cold out there today. It's Groundhog Day. BYU Sports Nation love live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Monday, February second, as Jerem mentioned, it is the day for Punxsutawney Phil. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Ned Ryerson's best friend, Jerem Jordan. I don't know where you're going, but can you call in sick? <laughs> that is such a good movie. That's Bill, a great movie. Bill Murray is fantastic. Watch that first step. It's a doozy. <laughs> such a great movie. Yes. I'm glad we have some laughs because football season is over. I know. I am, I am kind of bummed about that. Yeah, great that, Super Bowl, by the way. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. I've been a Seattle Seahawks fan for like three weeks, and so I was just torn up over the ending of that. What a, te- what a terrible decision to pass on second down. Just run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. Just see if you don't get in, then you can pass. His Plus, nickname is Beast Mode. Okay, so the Seahawks said, hey, they had goal line you know, defense out there. We thought we'd take advantage. Why would you th- throw into the teeth of the defense almost? Why not? If you're going to throw it and take advantage, go outside or something. One-on-one. I hate fades, but just run the ball and then see what happens. Come on. So the Seahawks' chances end on a play that NFL Hall of Fame running back Emmitt Smith said was, quote, the worst call in the history of the NFL. That's superlative. That's Bill Walton style. Yeah, seriously. It's not the worst (laughs) call ever. It's pretty bad. But just run and then see what happens. I, I am really bummed about it. At least we're one day closer to what happens in Lincoln, Nebraska. Countdown to the Cornhuskers. 215. That is right. 215 days away from the start of BYU football season against the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln. Oh, by the way, on Saturday night, Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams addressed the crowd at halftime of the BYU Santa Clara men's basketball game. Can I uh, recreate the kind Please of reaction do. of the fans? Please do. <clears throat> Man, are we making the three to ne- They all stop and look at Taysom Hill and Jamal. Oh, yeah, those guys. They're like, <laughs> like stood up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they, they commanded that crowd. Everyone like got quiet and listened. And, and, then, and then it was, how many of you guys, Taysom says, how many of you guys want to see Jamal dance? And then all of a sudden they're playing WAP, and Jamal Williams' surgically repaired knees are dancing. I'm talking to Mark Atawaya in the corner, and he's, he's like, oh, apparently those knees are good to go. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> it was really funny, but it, there was this angst like, oh, please don't hurt yourself. So like, Take it easy. WAP yeah, a little less. Please don't hurt yourself dancing. WAP in the Marriott Center. This is not Glenn Tuckett's. BYU Cougars, I'll tell you that. The conversation alive and well on Twitter 24-7. Use the hashtag BYUSN and be a part of BYU Sports Nation with today's Twitter question. What's the biggest storyline coming out of BYU's win over Santa Clara? Use the hashtag BYUSN. To me, it's 
70 of the 78 points were scored outside the paint. I'll tell you what I think about that in a minute. At Twiggy or Stone. Okay. Production from the post. You cannot allow multiple offensive sets to good teams. Every rebound counts. Okay, so specifically rebounding production there because you just said eight rebound points in the that post. basketball. Yeah. 17 yeah. from what, Andrus and Nielsen? That was nice. Yeah, 19 combined rebounds from the five spot, but the 17 from Nielsen and Andrus was certainly unexpected. Yeah, mine sounded better than yours. I know, yeah. Because it was only two more with a bunch of dudes. I know. I know Santa Clara is not a good rebounding team. I think they're one of the top 20 or the, the bottom 20 rebounding teams in all of the country. But to have two freshmen come in and do that is, is a good sign That's for That's positive. BYU. Unfortunately, yeah. BYU's not playing Santa Clara again. <laughs> we there are own other teams with Santa base. Clara and Texas. That's Here right. are your BYU Sports Nation headlines. What's going on on a Monday? The Cougars route Santa Clara 78-57. Tyler Haas passes Danny Ainge for number two on the BYU all-time yeah, scoring list. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. BYU women's hoops survive a road trip at Santa Clara 58-56. Lexi Eaton had 27 points and 13 rebounds. Buckets. She's a guard. McBuckets. Lexi Mc, McBuckets. And BYU volleyball. With Jerem Jordan on the call on Friday night, handled UC San Diego, and then took care of him again on Saturday. A sweep for the seventh-ranked men's volleyball Huge team. Huge surprise. Nat, Cal Baptist this week, both on BYU. They're now 38-0 all-time against UC San Diego. It's true. Rise and shout on that note. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic one. An unconventional win. Tyler Hawes spinning baseline jumper. Tyler Hawes. Move over, Danny Ainge. The legend of Hawes continues. So now there is one. All there is is the great Jimmer Fredette. Tyler Haas further solidifying his legendary status within BYU basketball. The Cougars beat Santa Clara by 21, moved to 17-7 and overall, 7-4 and in the West Coast Conference, tied for third with Pepperdine, although the Waves hold a tiebreaker right now. Now, 21 points for Haas to Good lead job, all by scores. The way, on that. Thank we you. We had talked about that last week, what that moment was going to be like. He kept it simple. Yeah. I, li- I liked it. Yeah, well, the funny, I was like, I was kind of and hoping. it's the very it beginning would, of the game. It's kind of melodramatic, It's right? kind of hoping it would be a three-pointer because then it would be like, okay, he passed, but he hit it too. tie. So I referenced that he had just tied Danny Ainge and then a few moments later, you know, move over Danny Ainge. Yeah. So, nice job, yeah, man. Thank you. It was a really, it was a really cool experience uh, to call that and, and to watch Tyler Haas once again from that perspective. I mean, he, the dude is just a special, special player. What else can you say about it? He passed Danny Ainge. It's amazing. I know Danny Ainge didn't have the three-point line. That certainly, I think if Danny Ainge had had a three-point line, he may hold the record forever. Jimmer wouldn't have caught him. But it's unbelievable what he's done. The rules are what they were then, and it is what it is now. And Tyler Hawes gets buckets. The dude is amazing. Like, enjoy watching him play because it's awesome. He's 21 points closer to passing the great Jameer Fredette. On his way to making BYU basketball history, Tyler Hawes is chasing Jimmer on BYU Sports Nation. 114 points away. They will not uh, It sounds like Muse. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, we are projecting. You looked at me like, what are you doing? No, it's all good. <laughs> we are projecting That's that Tyler look will, will pass Jimmer on the road probably at Portland. He's going to need big-time scoring <sighs> efforts to do it at home. I hate that it's not going to be at home, because at home, that would be quite the moment. If it happened, it happened in the first half, I talked to some people so, uh, that have 
power over this, or a person, I guess, and said, hey, we need to stop the game, maybe, you know, and give him the ball and recognize the guy. He's going to have to average like 28 a game to do it at home against San Diego. Now, here's the thing. That could happen. If, if he can go for like a 35-point game or a 40-point game, you know, somewhere in the next three or four, which, That'd he, be nice. which he has done a number That'd of times. He ha- has he had one maybe. where he's gone, like really gone off this year? I mean, last year he went. Virginia Tech, sophomore year, 42. Last year had a, f- a 48. It'd be nice to get a 40 in here. Yeah, he's due, right? But Tyler Hobbs doesn't have as many 40s as Jimmer. Who cares? He's, he scores a lot of points, man. He's going to be the all-time leading scorer. Why did, why did I bring for BYU some basketball? person into this that said that? I don't know. Tyler summed <laughs> up his thoughts on the matter late Saturday night. It is a really cool thing. And, I mean, you look back on just those guys' careers. And, I mean, those are the guys you grow up wanting to be like. And it's, it's just amazing to have my name up there with those guys. I liked how he was frank as well when he said, you know, I've, I've exceeded expectations at BYU. Like, he, di- he didn't expect for this to happen oh, when he came ex- to BYU. Oh, who expects that? To be the yeah, leading be the... score, to pass Jimmer. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, so, I mean, he's really humble. I told him when he was walking out of the arena, I'm like, one time I just want you to be like, yeah, I'm the man! And he just laughed at me. He's like, not going to happen. <laughs> he's not going to do that. It's just not, it's not <laughs> his style. Now to the unconventional I'll do it for him. part of this BYU basketball win. Tyler was one of 13 players to see the court on Saturday night. The only player that dressed that did not play, Jerem, was, was Kyle, Kyle Collinsworth. Yeah. Out with a bruised tailbone. That's the worst. And he took a hard fall on Thursday against San Francisco, said he was really sore, and he was grateful that BYU could play as well as they did with him on the bench. He said, you know, I'm just getting ready for Pepperdine. I said, dude, you got to beat Pepperdine. One of my best friends is the student body president there, and he is not. Greg Lee. Yes, he's not closed his mouth. i Greg Lee. Okay, it's time. <laughs> he, said he, would, he said he would do what he could. Okay. <laughs> now he's motivated. Yeah, absolutely. Now he <laughs> understands why this he matters like, so much. Seating, NCAA tournament, conference, all, all that. All backseat. Greg Lee is going down. <laughs> It was, you're right. It was very So odd. weird. 13 okay. players. Okay, BYU's trying to get away from the four-guard lineup. And Santa Clara is a matchup that is really good for BYU. So that was a, an excellent game to do that with. It felt like a November game, said Dave Rose, because they had so many different lineups. Chase Fisher came off the bench and hit how many threes? Five of nine. BYU hit 15. Fourth time they've done that this season, which is unbelievable. Yeah, Chase hit three in like plus. a three-minute span. It was like, whoa. He started three for three. BYU started five for five, and I believe in the second half, was it seven for seven from three? Amazing. It's, it's tough because there's games where BYU goes crazy from three, and then they struggle from three. I love the previous two games, six for 35. It's a huge part of BYU's offense, and when they hit threes, they're really good. They won by 21. First time they've won by 14-plus at home since November 29th. That felt good because now – you go into a Pepperdine game Thursday that it's huge, huge for conference seating, NCAA tournament implications, all yeah. of that. They're going away from a four-guard lineup yet still manage to make 15 three-pointers again. And that brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU made eight more three-pointers than twos in Saturday's win. What? Eight, eight more threes than twos. That's so weird. And they had 70 points outside the paint. That includes the free throw line, which they had 19 points at. Bureau did not get very many rim runs uh, Saturday. 
Just eight points, two in the first half? We're going to ask Ken Pomeroy if there's another team in America statistically like BYU. He is the college basketball stats guru. Maybe incarnate word. And will join us at the bottom of the hour. How about that? 15 for 29 from three. The fourth time BYU has made 15 or more threes in a game this season. That's notable because 15 was the record coming into this season. This this team can shoot, man. The problem is you just you don't shoot well every night. We saw the pre, the last couple of games, BYU went 6 for 35 from 3 combined, the two previous games. Then they hit 15. It's tough. I mean, Josh Sharp hit a 3 and then at the very end of the game and then he shot another 3, which I would have done the same thing if I was Josh Sharp. But BYU got 15 threes. It's going to be tough because Pepperdine plays really good defense. To me what the Bigs did what BYU did from distance, I mean, it's tough because Santa Clara is a matchup that's good for BYU. There's no other team in the league like Santa Clara with their bigs. And BYU, I don't think, uh, can expect that kind of production the rest of the way. But it's a good sign that Ryan Andrus and Isaac Nielsen, both freshmen, by the way, Kafusi, freshman, Worthington, sophomore, all the bigs, so young, inexperienced. But they did some positive things. I like Ryan Andrus, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he looks really good. He's going to get some more playing time. Luke Worthington got pulled. And played like 40 seconds. Now, Dave Rose started Dalton Nixon in place of Chase Fisher. He started two bigs for the first time since, since Gonzaga. Gonzaga, December 27th. So over a month. And he went back that way. Expect to see a lot more of that. Here's what Dave had to say after the game. I do believe that that guard lineup at times can help us. But it, it can't be what it's been. And we need to use it at times. But get back to... You know, playing our bigs and being more physical and taking up more space in there. This goes right in line with Two what rebound. Dave Rose. That's the point. Yeah, what Dave Rose said on Wednesday after practice: rebounding is the number one priority for BYU basketball right now to find success the rest of this season. Well, we saw because what he thinks they can do on Saturday. That makes total sense to me. And to do that, you need guys that can rebound in there. So you need some bigs in there. Dalton Nixon, I wouldn't call him an elite rebounder, but I think he knows what's going on on the court. Uh, and can at least box a guy out. Uh, maybe that ball gets tipped to the outside. BYU's guards rebound well. Without Kyle Collinsworth, they had to play uh, some bigs and play well, and I thought they did play well. Yeah, what is the biggest storyline coming from BYU's win over Santa Clara? Let's get to the Twitter machine. It's Twitter time. At Matthew W. Evans. Haas moving to number two, once-in-a-lifetime type of player. I've already started missing him for next year. Yeah, when you lose 23 points a game, you will notice a gap. Okay? He, it's weird how he quietly does what he does, but you'll notice when, when he's gone, you will notice it. Absolutely. Yeah, to me the biggest thing, by the way, the 70 points outside the paint. That is fantastic. It's just risky. You need more points inside the paint. You need layups. There's not going to be post. There were multiple post catches on a single possession there, yeah. and I was like, wow, I've I forgot what that looked <laughs> Your like. Your tweet was outstanding, by the way. At Laser Sheep, three-point shooting is crucial for a win. Better rebounding helped. Blaine Fowler joins us next. Can BYU successfully get away from that four-guard lineup? BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. Join us by using the hashtag BYUSN. What are you doing on Wednesday, Jerem? Football signing day, man. It's going to be awesome. Join us for BYU Sports Nation starting at noon Eastern, regular time. We'll cover uh, live as the names come in, as the faxes slash emails slash PDFs come in. 
We will announce those uh, right here on the show. 3 p.m. Eastern, a press conference with Bronco Mendenhall from the building here on BYUtv.org. Then 4 Eastern, a special one-hour edition of BYU Sports Nation with Bronco Mendenhall. We'll talk about every single dude that BYU signs. It's going to be awesome. They have like a draft day board yeah. in the football offices. It's cool. Yeah, in, in the lobby, uh, I believe they're going to open it up. You can hang out there, uh, watch what's happening. If, you, uh, if you're not there and or you're there and you want to watch it, uh, watch on BYU TV. We're going to have live coverage of that. Three hours on football signing day. ESPNU is doing uh, 11 hours for the country. For the country. We're doing three for BYU. Awesome. That's how we roll. I love it. I know some people are like, hey, they're not going to play for it. I enjoy it. It's football in February. I love it. Yeah. What is the biggest storyline coming from BYU basketball and their win over Santa Clara on Saturday night at BYU Fan 1995 says that BYU big men can rebound and BYU can win without Kyle Collinsworth. Go Cougars. Keep in mind this is Santa Clara. Santa Clara hasn't beat BYU since 1972. Wow. Okay. It's been a very, very long time. Without Kyle Collinsworth, I thought BYU played an excellent game. Yeah. And it was fortunate because Kyle needed the rest. They they he's, needed to do what they needed he, to do. He has, I mean, he's he's got some bruised knees as well. He's he's taking like knees to both uh, like quads. Yeah, <laughs> he's banged up, man. Get healthy for Pepperdine. Blaine Fowler joining BYU Sports Nation. Blaine called the game with me on Saturday night. We are reunited on a Monday on BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to the show, Blaine. What's going on, boys? You know, the sporting. Just uh, you know, trying to. We- were you, two actually, were you two actually talking about Ned Ryerson on yeah. the air, or was that just in the break? <laughs> no, Ned. That uh, was on the air. That was on the air. Groundhog Day is a like, fantastic movie. You mean like Ned, Ned Ryerson, Needle Nose Ned? That guy? That's the guy you're talking about? That's the guy. That's exactly right. Watch out for the first step, Blaine. <laughs> That's a, it's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Groundhog Day, Blaine. Uh, what was yes, your biggest storyline from Saturday's win against Santa Clara on the, the Marriott Center floor? Well, you know, we, we talked about the game before. We wanted to see if they could win ugly because they hadn't this year, and they won ugly the game before. And then, you know, even though they were really pretty from the three-point line in this game, they, they didn't shoot it great from, from two, which is crazy. It was like reverse. Their two-point field goal percentage was horrendous. Their three-point was almost 52%, which is crazy. Yeah, seven but, for 25 from two. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But I saw some things out of the big guys, and, and I saw some things – in, in particular, out of um, out of Andrus, the last two games really that's given me some hope that BYU is going to get better up front in the rebounding effort as we go down the stretch here at the end of the season and into the WCC tournament. I, Andrus with eight boards and five of those on the offensive end really impressed me. And then when you, when you look at BYU's bigs, they got 22 of their 44 of, of their 45 rebounds out of. Frontline players, out of guys that are playing up front, not in the backcourt, in the front court. Nine out of Isaac Nielsen, eight out of Ryan Andrus, and so that was impressive to me. And then they limited Santa Clara's big guys. You think about it, you know Hubbard and Cratch are two young guys that they rely on to rebound, and Hubbard had two, and Cratch had three rebounds, and then and Demania, um, Emmanuel came in and has just been playing the last last uh, ten games, and he had six. The monster at two seventy had six boards, and so that to me was my takeaway from the game. I'm like, okay. I like this. I like this progress up front. I felt like the big guys were more aggressive at getting after the boards. They did a better job of boxing out. And so that's a good sign to me. And and that tells me that they may not have to shoot, you know, 47% from the field to win a game. 
overall field goal percentage was only 41% in this game, and they won again. So back-to-back games where I wouldn't call them beautiful works of art shooting, and they won. And so that's impressive. I like the 15 threes for sure. That's beautiful. But you're right. The percentage wasn't particularly high uh, from two, but 52% from three. That was nice. So, so Dalton Nixon starts so that uh, BYU can rebound the ball a little more. Chase Fisher came off the bench. Blaine, I think that that is a move that BYU should stick with, a la Matt Carlino off the bench. I think that he comes in with a different mindset. I think the defense is a little different when he comes in. That might be a move that helps BYU. What do you think? No, I agree, Jeremy. One of the things that happens sometimes with a player like Chase, he's a little streaky with his shooting. When he's on, he's unstoppable. But, but I think he even gets in the mindset where he comes out in the game, and if he misses his first couple of shots, it's just like, uh-oh. This isn't good. this isn't going to be a good game. I know we all think that, and I and I wonder if he thinks that. And when you have a chance to sit on the bench for the first couple of minutes, two things happen. First of all, you get into the flow of the game, so you're more likely to come in and understand where your shots are going to come from because you've just watched the defensive effort that, that's going on on the floor. And you also come into the game when the starters um, for your opponent are either a little bit worn down or they're bringing in their twos off the bench, so you get better matchups and better looks. I love his scoring punch off the bench. Hey, he was 6 of 12 from the field and 5 of 9 from behind the three-point line in this game. 18 points. This is one of his best games. He was fantastic, and maybe that's to help him with the, with a mindset. Maybe that's the best thing to do for him, and it really gives them a scoring punch off the bench that they need. BYU played a lot of this game with two post players. They went away from the four-guard lineup, and Dave Rose has made it very clear uh, from his comments after the game that he feels like they need to do that if they want to rebound well. Can BYU successfully transition away from a four-guard lineup with the remaining time they have this season? Remember that they were forced to do it in this game because Kyle Collinsworth didn't play. You can play a lot more four guards if Collinsworth is one of the guards. He's one of the best rebounders in the league, in the West, really, from the guard line, from the point guard uh, you know, position. And so... You can play some, some four-guard offense with him as one of those four. When he's not on the floor, you better have two guys that can go in there and rebound the basketball because that's a big loss. Um, so I think we'll see both. It's nice to know that with Kyle on the bench they could do that. And now Dave can be a little more confident when he's in matchups on the floor where defensively he's limited because somebody else is putting two bigs or three bigs out on the floor. He can have a little more confidence, uh, confidence in throwing you know, somebody like Andrus in there and knowing he's going to get some production. Um, so will we see nothing but, you know, three-guard offense now? No, I still think we'll see some four-guard offense. It'll be based on matchups, but I think that after the last game, Dave has more confidence that he can go with a, you know, two bigs and three guards around them type of a lineup and get some production. Tyler Hawes passes Danny Ainge for number two in scoring at BYU. I believe that your first semester at BYU was the semester after Ainge finished here. Was that correct? Yeah, well, Dan, Danny and I were there for one year overlap. So okay, my freshman year, year was Danny's senior year is my freshman year, and and you know the athletes are all because I'm still close to Danny to this day. Um, phenomenal, unbelievable player. Danny was so complete, great ball handler, great distributor, unbelievable defender. One of the most tenacious defenders I've ever seen. Danny could take the other team's best perimeter player and just lock him down. You know, he was asked to not be a big-time scorer in the NBA because he was on those great Boston Celtic teams. Um, so, so he could do it all. And, and to have Tyler pass Danny is a phenomenal feat because Danny was a great scorer in college as well. And, and I love what Tyler said after the game. That, you know, it was an honor 
for him to be mentioned with Jimmer and with Danny and those players, um, what an accomplishment. Because to pass Danny, I mean, Danny truly is, in my mind, the most complete player BYU's ever had in the program. Amen. The most complete player. Um, and, and so for Tyler to go by him and to be talked about and, and you know, the same circles with Danny is, is a credit to hard work, unbelievable work ethic for Tyler. I mean, nobody that I've ever seen shoots more shots than Tyler does. That guy is out there early. Um, he, he's out late in the off season. Nobody gets more shots up than Tyler Haas. So it's not an accident that he's a great scorer. It's, it's work that has gotten him to that point, and he deserves everything that he's gotten. Thus far, Jimmer Fredette's career in the NBA has not been anything that he or any of the Jimmer fans have hoped it would be. How do you see Tyler Haas and his game translating to the next level? It, it's hard to project him right now because size-wise, at 6'5", he's kind of... If he was 6'7", with his exact same skill set, he's, he's an NBA All-Star. Um, at 6'5", it's a little bit tougher. It'll be tougher for him to get his shot. Now, I think he has a chance. He, he's not a shoe-in um, because he doesn't have the quickness of some of the 6'3 and 6'4 guys that he would have to guard in the NBA, or even some of the 6'5 guys he'd have to guard in the NBA. I do think he's a much more complete defensive player and rebounder than Jimmer was at this point. I mean, Jimmer was just a pure and flat-out scorer. Tyler does a little more on the defensive end and rebounding basketball than Jimmer did. So that maybe makes him a little bit more marketable. But but because of his size, I can't say that he's a no-miss guy right now. As good as he is at shooting the basketball, and I, and I really like what he's done in improving his range and getting it out um, beyond that three-point line, he certainly has the range to shoot NBA threes. But I see him, I look at him, I go, okay, can his ball handling skills and his defensive skills be at least as good as a Jeff Hornacek? I think he can. So it depends on what he does from now until three years from now, if, if he can continue to develop. Uh, he's, not a, he's not a no-miss, but, but it's not out of the question that he could have a nice NBA career. And he has the work ethic that coaches love. So we'll see how he develops. Blaine Fowler bringing it on Monday on BYU Sports Nation, BYU TV dual threat analyst, former BYU national champion as well. Blaine, always great to talk to you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you again soon. Where does BYU compare statistically to the rest of the college basketball teams in America? There is one man that can answer that question better than any other. One stat. His name is Ken Pomeroy. In a world of statistics. <laughs> he will join us next. But Jeremy, you sit by him at some games, and, and you've had an opportunity to see his computer screen. I don't understand anything that's going on there. <laughs> There's a lot of binary code, ones and zeros. I'm like, what are you looking at, man? We're going to make sense of it all with Ken Pomeroy next on BYU Sports Nation. Ned? Ned Ryerson? And now, back to more BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live in Radio Vision on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Download the show podcast on iTunes or if you so choose at BYUSportsNation.com. Coming up Wednesday, noon Eastern, football signing day begins on BYU TV. We'll have live coverage of the signees as they come in. 3 p.m. Eastern, BYUTV.org has a press conference with Bronco Mendenhall. 4 Eastern, a special BYU Sports Nation hour-long edition with Bronco Mendenhall. We'll talk about every single guy that BYU signs out of high school or a D1 transfer or a JC or return missionaries. Uh, It's going to be exciting. Check it out Wednesday. We'll try and sneak in some questions about the scheduling and the whole ACC overturn as well. Yeah. Really interested to hear what Bronco has to say about that. Probably say something about the Big 12 at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we throw them those in. Yeah, that'd be a great fit. Yeah. 
Today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The men's basketball team routes Santa Clara 78-57. Tyler Haas passing Danny Ainge for number two on the BYU all-time scoring list. BYU women's hoops also victorious at Santa Clara 58-56. Lexi Eaton had 27 points in that game. And a sweep for BYU men's volleyball against UC San Diego over the weekend. Gregor Bell just recorded his interview with uh, Coach Rose uh, for the webisode and said the following, tweeted the following. Coach Rose said the Nate Austin play, no play situation now kind of 50-50. Said they got some good medical news regarding Nate last, late last week. Stop giving me hope! Oh, man. Stop it! <laughs> How about we get some statistical hope? From the hard guy. D- some hard data. The guy, Ken Pomeroy, joining BYU Sports Nation again. Ken, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good morning. What should, you, what should we give to you as your official title? I know you're a college basketball insider, but with the stats recognition, like, should we add something to your title? I don't know. I get this question a lot, and uh, it's, uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with, you know, I'm cool with stats guru. I'm cool with statistical analyst, something <laughs> along those lines. You know, it doesn't have to be too far. I've never heard one that, you know, makes me sound like a rock star. So until that happens, I'm, I'm pretty open. <laughs> and that's what we're going you for. You let us okay? know what that yeah, is. If you find we'll out it. what the rock star status is for a stats guy, then, then we want to call you that. We'll start with uh, BYU's 15 three-pointers, only seven two-point field goals. They win by 21 on Saturday. Lead the country in scoring. How do you explain what BYU is? And is there another team out there like them? Uh, not really. I mean, they're obviously, you know, really dominated by the three-point shot, and I think that explains to some extent the up-and-down play. You know, they can go on the road and, and beat San Francisco by 31, and they come back at home, and they, you know, they have to hit some shots down the stretch to beat them. And, you know, you look at how they shot the three in those two games, and that, that goes a long way to explain what happened. I mean, this is something I think you have to live with as a BYU fan right now. You know, all, all of your scoring is basically coming out of the backcourt, and it's, Mostly, well, not not literally mostly, but you know, a high percentage is coming from the three point line, and so you're just going to have a lot of inconsistency with that kind of method. And it's weird to me that BYU could lead the country without a post presence. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, the the, the scoring title uh, on a team level, I think it, you know, it's largely a function of uh, pace. And uh, BYU right now seventh in the country in terms of uh, adjusted tempo, so basically the seventh most possessions uh, in the land, and they're first in terms of their average possession length on offense, which uh, that would be the fourth year in a row they've done that. So, uh, you know, they're a team that pushes the ball, and uh, if you can push the ball and you can score at a reasonably decent clip, you're going to pile up a lot of points. And that part is not necessarily unusual. When you look at the teams that do lead the country in scoring, uh, typically they're smaller teams that like to play at a faster pace, and so uh, BYU is certainly doing that. Now, one of the disadvantages of BYU's style of play, you could say, is because they get up and down so much and they have more possessions, they allow their opponents more possessions, and in turn they're, they're giving up more points under Dave Rose than they have in quite a while. Do you see that statistically as a disadvantage for BYU because they play so fast? Yeah, it's not necessarily such a disadvantage to, to play fast. I mean, there's some, some fast-paced teams that, that have – decent defenses, you know, when you look on a possession basis. Um, BYU does not fall into that category, unfortunately. They're ranked 151st right now in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're 13th, by the way, in offense. So you can really see that contrast that, uh, you know, this team dominated by its offense. They hope they can just, you know, kind of play enough defense to get by. You know, there are teams around the country that are like that. Um, Indiana comes to mind. It is a team that uh, has been ranked in the top 25 off and on this season that, uh, has a similar profile and uh, a similar lack of size. So, you know, it's kind of the, the hand that BYU's been dealt this year that's trying to make the most of it. And 
nobody expects them to have a great defense. It would be nice, I think, from a, a BYU standpoint, if that defense improved just a little bit because that will allow them to, to finish the season stronger than uh, certainly the first half of the conference season has gone. Ken, Tyler Haas is second in the country at 22.6 a game. What kind of next-level statistics show you that he's uh, one of the best offensive players in the country as well? Well, Tyler's just been amazingly consistent, and uh, you know this year shooting three pointer a little bit more, although uh, certainly not uh, what we would call a, a uh, guy who depends on the three point shot. But only about a quarter of his shots are, are three pointers. So, um, so you know he's he's really a guy that uh, is able to just make an amazing percentage inside the three point line, uh, hitting fifty two percent of his shots there. It doesn't sound like a ton, but for a guy who's six five, who's often playing uh, against players who are taller than him. Uh, and taking a lot of mid-range shots, uh, that's pretty impressive. And then he also gets to the free throw line really well. Um, 160 free throws this year, making 88% of those. Um, so he's just kind of a scoring machine. You also throw in the fact he's not committing many turnovers. He's actually top 100 in the country in terms of uh, lowest turnover rate. Uh, he only turns it over on about 10% of the possessions that he uses for the team. So um, that's a great figure as well. So it's just a, a lot of different parts to his game. You know, it's not necessarily one thing you can pull out and say, hey, boom, you know, he's great at this. He's actually just really, really good in a number, in a number of different areas. And uh, the fact that, you know, Dave Rose plays him so much and the fact that he plays on a team that's so fast-paced, all those things come together to allow him to uh, contend for a scoring title. College basketball insider and stats rock star, Ken Palm. What, nice. Let's just straight up call you a rock star. Ken, are you okay with that? <laughs> That's a good start, yeah. I'm not going to argue with you there. <laughs> Those typically don't go together, but we'll use it, yeah. <laughs> BYU basketball has a couple of rock stars on their team. We've already address, addressed one of them in Tyler Haas. Then there's Kyle Collinsworth, who has tied a single-season record with four triple-doubles, has a chance to pass that for the number of games remaining on the schedule this year. Uh, what is more impressive, what Tyler Haas has done over his career or, or what you're seeing from Kyle Collinsworth in terms of triple-doubles this season? Yeah, it's a close call. I, you know, there's only been 10 triple-doubles across the country by my count. You know, we're up to, you know, somewhere around 3,500 games I play at the Division One level. So uh, a triple-double is a rare thing. Nobody has more than one without Kyle, who has four. Uh, it's pretty impressive. I mean, you know, he's the kind of guy with that skill set. You know going into the season he's capable of getting a triple-double. But just getting one is uh, is pretty rare. I mean, I don't think people understand how difficult that is, especially – on the assist level, I and mean, it's, it's just tough to get 10 assists, period. Uh, to do that in a game where you're getting 10 rebounds and 10 points uh, is pretty amazing. So uh, so this is definitely a special season for Kyle. I know, you know next year people are probably looking at him and saying, hey, you know, how many triple-doubles are we going to get this year? And it's really possible that you know he won't get one next year because, it's, it, again, it's just it's so tough to do. So people should really uh, cherish the uh, statistical impressiveness of, of getting four in one season. Yeah, Nate. I mean, Nate Austin not playing has helped. The fact that next year BYU should have Kyle Davis, Jamal Eights, and company. I mean, yeah, you're right. He might not get one next year uh, because of that. When you look at uh, BYU and what they are trying to do, the back end of conference play. We've kind of looked at. They have seven games left, six before Gonzaga. What's BYU's win probability? I know you put this together on your website uh, in the final six. Yeah, uh, to get those six wins, I have it at about fourteen percent. So uh, that they get all six. Re- yeah, they get all six. They go six and zero. Oh. So uh, uh, you know, about a one in seven chance. And uh, a lot of that probability is limited by the next game. You know, playing at Pepperdine. I uh, actually have Pepperdine as a slight favorite. They have a fifty-fifty coin flip. Um, so that limits their chances pretty, pretty much right there. You know, a huge game. I mean, if they get that win, then things start to open up and those probabilities start to go up. But uh, you know, Pepperdine's really emerged as this team that uh, is trying to. Crack the, the top three of the WCC, you know, trying to, to 
Um, they've already beaten BYU and St. Mary's on the road. So uh, they have a pretty good resume, and it's not going to be an easy win at all. Pepperdine is really good, actually, at uh, defending a three-point shot and contesting three-pointers, and uh, obviously that's something that BYU needs to do well to uh, to have a better chance of winning. So uh, that's a, a really interesting game on the schedule that uh, I think people nationally are kind of overlooking. Does Pepperdine have an Achilles heel statistically that BYU can game plan for? Well, you know, they're a little bit uh, kind of opposite of of what BYU is. Um, you know, they're, they're not very good offensively. Uh, they are good defensively, as we just discussed, but not very good offensively. They're not a great shooting team. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a team that's going to try to get some points inside, but they're also not very big. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Dave Rose does if, if Collinsworth is ready to go. Whether he goes small or goes big, I, I would expect he'll just go with BYU strength and, and, and you know, try to outscore Pepperdine. But, uh, but it's definitely a team that, that struggles a little bit more offensively than they do defensively. Ken, what's the most unique statistical trend about this BYU basketball team, in your opinion? Well, you know, I mean, it really is, I think, that imbalance, you know, offense and defense. You know, you don't see a ton of that across the country. You know, usually if you have the kind of players that can score the ball, they can also play pretty good defense, and uh, and right now it hasn't been the case. You know, the other thing that uh, is unusual about them, but it's not unusual necessarily in a BYU sense, is that even though they're very fast offensively, they force very long possessions defensively. Uh, you know, we mentioned that they have the, the fastest possession length Offensively, defensively, they're 328, so roughly uh, 24th longest in terms of possession length. And, you know, mixing the defenses, playing some zone, um, that plays into that statistic. But it's a, a team where if you were going to introduce a, a time of possession stat uh, in the middle of a game, it would actually be pretty useful because we'd see the other team has the ball a lot longer than BYU does, and that's just a function of BYU style. Ken, I know you have your own index of teams and, and where they rank in the country. With BYU, where do you feel like they need to finish in your index to make a legitimate run at making the NCAA tournament as an at-large team? Yeah, that's a great question because obviously the you know the committee doesn't really use my system uh, to any significant extent in order determining uh, in order to determine who gets in. Uh, right now, I have BYU at uh, at thirty-seven. So uh, you know it's one of those cases where if BYU does not get into the tournament, they're going to be looking at some teams that get in and be thinking, you know, hey. We were as good as those teams, you know. We could have beaten some of those teams. So it's certainly good enough to get in. Um, I think the scenario is to get these next six wins and potentially lose to Gonzaga uh, in the season finale. And if they do that and if they win some games impressively, you know, they could climb, say, into the top 30 in my system. And there are there are cases of teams getting that high and not making it in. There might be, like, one team a year, one team every other year that does that. So uh, if they can do that, they'd have to feel uh, pretty good about their chances. Ken Pomeroy, further solidifying his rock star status with us on BYU Sports Nation. Ken, great to have you with us. Guys, I always appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll see you down the road. One in seven chance of winning the next six six games. That's a 14% chance. Hmm. That's pretty low. And he said it's it's difficult because it starts at Pepperdine. That that number will go up significantly, I would imagine, if If BYU can beat Pepperdine on Thursday. That is a huge game. I mean, huge. (laughs) Who'd have thought? That Pepperdine. They played Gonzaga tough, beat St. Mary's. They beat St. Mary's and BYU BYU. on the road. Up next, Jamal dancing and big deal, no deal. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, your home for authentic BYU products. My name is Spencer Linton, sitting next to the one and only Jerem Jordan. Coming up Wednesday, football signing day starts at noon Eastern time with BYU Sports Nation, followed by three Eastern 
BYUtv.org has a press conference for Eastern BYU Sports Nation special with Bronco Mendenhall on the BYU TV. We got a tweet in this morning from at uh, TX Colonel. This and, is turning into something awesome. We referenced him last Friday because he spent almost ten thousand dollars buying basically an entire section for the approaching BYU-Missouri game at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Awesome. So then he tweets in this morning, Thanks to BYU Sports Nation, group order for Mizzou game is up to 173 tickets, but already $4,050 paid back. Yes. Yeah. That's almost half. You never get back all the money when you're the buy. Hey, you want to go to a movie tonight? Yeah, this huge group, 20 people, like three. Hey, I'll get you later. They, They forget. You forget you want to don't want to be the guy that's like, hey, seven fifty. I'm that guy. I'm like, hey, you owe me seven fifty, dudes. I'm sorry. <laughs> like you're an acquaintance. <laughs> Pay up. If it's like a buddy, like hit me back later, whatever. Do I owe you any money? We can talk about it later. Okay. I'm All just right. kidding. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's different with you and I. It's like acquaint acquaintance person. You don't. It's like yes. emotionally, you're like yes, you are beholden to me. You owe me money. I will find you. I have a special set I of skills. I want my two dollars. <laughs> Better off dead. I have a special set of skills, and I will find you. <laughs> Great commercial from Liam Neeson yesterday. Liam Liam Nielsen. Liam Nielsen. Liam. Yeah. Uh, our Twitter question today: What is the biggest storyline coming from BYU's win over Santa Clara on the basketball floor? Use the hashtag BYUSN right now. Let's play Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal. Here's how it works. We throw out a given scenario, and Jeremy and I decide whether it is a big deal or no deal. Sometimes we disagree but pick the same thing. How does that work? Find out, bro. Number one. Big deal, no deal. BYU gets 19 boards from the bigs on Saturday. I'm going to lean towards big deal on this because Dave Rose trusted in some guys that he hasn't played a lot of minutes with uh, Ryan Andrus and Isaac Nielsen lately. They came up with 17 of those 19 boards uh, from the bigs. And so I say that's a big deal that they stepped up and made the most of their minutes. I have a qualified compliment. It was a big deal for that game. It really was. Kyle Collinsworth wasn't there. There was a little bit of nervousness. You didn't start Chase Fisher. That was that was nice. Now going down the stretch, I think that the matchup is not the same kind of matchup with the other teams in the conference. But positive news, big deal. So big deal. Positive news because Ryan Andrus feeling like, okay, I can go out there and do stuff. Isaac Nielsen, I can get rebounds. I can, and that's their role on this team. It is not to score. It is to rebound that basketball. Number two. Big deal, no deal. Kyle Collinsworth dresses but does not play Saturday. No deal. BYU won by 21 points. The bigger deal is that Kyle got rest for Pepperdine on Thursday. So I say no deal. BYU owns Santa Clara. Yeah, no deal. And thank goodness he dressed. Number three. Big deal, no deal. Jamal Williams dances at halftime. Uh, I love Jamal. Wop, wop, and I love yeah. Wop. I love his swagginess, but I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say no deal because you know it's not football. Now, if he was dancing after a touchdown, then it would be that a big be deal a for me. So I say it was cool to see him dancing. It was fun, great show. But uh, in terms of what really matters most, and his you know return to health, health family, yeah, I say no deal. I'll go big deal because seeing Taysom Hill and Jamal at midcourt was really good for the morale of BYU Sports Nation. I think a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen those guys together in a long time. That wasn't the scenario, though, Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. It was just Jamal dancing. So Listen, Taysom's <laughs> in every scenario. 
This is BYU Sports. He is in every – Tyler Hawes passes Danny Ainge. Taysom Hill somewhere watching. <laughs> he's a part of this. It's, 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 it's a big a, deal if he's involved. It's a big deal that Jamal was dancing because he, to- he like, messed up his knee. Now he's dancing like three months later. So that's nice. Hashtag no, WAP. Number four. Big deal, no deal. Calling a pass play on the one-yard line. Uh, oh, hashtag fail. This is a big deal because you have yes, the big deal. best running back in the league. His nickname is Beast Mode. When has he lost yardage ever? About, Can you remember a play where flow, Marshawn boss. Lynch lost yards? Okay, there were st- stats that came out, and I was conversing on Twitter with Mitch Harper and Brian Keel about this. Uh, ESPN Stats and Info said that of five rushes by Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line this year, he had only scored on one. Still! Big deal. You got to run the ball the on way, second down. The way you he don't had get been in, running during the game. Then you pass. Had the Patriots shown any like sign of being able to stop Marshawn Lynch from getting at least one yard? Bill Belichick no. made a deal with the devil, man. <laughs> How did that happen? This is amazing. Tom Brady's reaction Richard, was the best. Oh, Richard Sherman's was better. Oh, yeah. Like no, like it was like watching a car accident. It was bad. Yeah, you mad, bro? Number five. <laughs> Big deal, no deal. Super Bowl commercials. No deal. Not unimpressed, especially one in particular. Nationwide, I had struggled with that yeah, one. What the there were some fun There were some funny ones. Super cute little kid. Like I don't want to dive into yeah, it. Let, uh, it was just so unexpected. I liked uh, Doritos. I liked... Uh, you, had to like, you had to like your boy from, there break, were some from Breaking Bad. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Walter White. Um there were some drinks that I don't consume that produce solid commercials as well. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, you I, know li- what? I love it. It's the American I holiday got, to me. I, got, I enjoyed halftime. I, li- I liked it. I liked the Dove commercial. because yeah. uh, There were a couple of like father commercials. I was like, yeah, yeah okay. I'm like, grab hitting, my daughter. Like, yeah, bring that, it in. That's hitting the like, ethos, baby. Yeah, <laughs> the ethos, nice. That's hitting the emotional AP, side of AP things. AP English? What's going on right now? <laughs> and what are the other two? Pathos and Logos? Logos? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's Logos. <laughs> I think it's Legos. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag broadcast journalism uh, major. I tried if, to sound smart. If you don't want to do math and science at in college, do broadcasting. Yes. That's what we did. Champions! Look at us Ned. now. Look at us now, man. Up next, the whip! Nice tease. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. We're having a good time on a Monday. It's always a good time. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. BYU beat St. Clair 78-57. The Cougars' first 14-plus point win at home since November 29th, by the way. Tyler Haas led the way with 21. BYU made 15 threes or more for the fourth time this season. The Cougars play at Pepperdine Thursday. Huge game. Men's Volleyball. Seventh-ranked BYU Cougars swept UC San Diego, now 38-0 all-time. Friday and Saturday, they improved to 5-1 and one in conference this season. This week, BYU will host Cal Baptist. Women's basketball. The Cougars beat St. Clair as well by two points, led by 27-13 and 13 from Lex Eaton. And then Morgan Bailey at 19-12. and 12. Nice. BYU hosts Pepperdine Thursday night. Rugby. The back-to-back-to-back national champions beat up UNLV 99 to nothing. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I repeat, 99 to to nothing. That's just mean. On Friday. Then they beat Cal Poly. A little closer this time. 74 to 5. How'd they allow 5? What the heck? Top ranked BYU hosts Utah State on Saturday. 
Tennis. Men's team beat UMKC. The Kangaroos. That's a real that's thing. That's right. Missouri, Missouri Kansas, Kansas City. City. And Nebraska Omaha fighting whatever. 7-0-7-0 over the weekend. The 55th ranked women's team. Yes, they ranked that high. Was upset by number 69 Utah State. And unranked Denver. Huge Ooh. upsets. Swimming and diving. The men and women swimmers beat Grand Canyon in Provo on Saturday. BYU at Utah on Saturday. How about that? Now what? <laughs> I, we, need, we need to make a correction. Okay. Tyler Hawes. We, I mentioned that he needs to average like 28 a game to uh, finish or pass Jimmer yes. by the San Diego game, which is five games away. That is incorrect. At Big D Dan 11 uh, tweeted in. He says he disagrees with me, saying it'll likely happen at Portland. He thinks that Tyler's going to mm. do it against San Diego. That would be game six. Now, he said he needed 22.5. It's actually 22.6 to tie Jimmer, 22.8 to pass Jimmer at home. So, so that would be the it, end of the San yeah, Diego game, probably. It'd be harder to stop the game at that point, too. And, and you don't stop him. the game. Yeah. Ugh. But it could be cool to celebrate a win against San Diego, discovered by the Germans. And then you give him the ball, you standing O, all that. That would be awesome. I would love, 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 love to see it happen at home. It just, he deserves oh. it. He deserves it. If it on the road, it's just not the same, man. So it's everybody root for 22.8 points per game for Tyler Haas to pass root, Jimmer Fredette at home. Root for a huge week this week. That way in the next three, he could do it in one of those games. Beat Pepperdine. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. Dexterlaw.com. And it goes to Tyler Haas, of course, mm. for becoming the number two Score in BYU basketball history. That's amazing. You think of all the players that have played at BYU. And only one dude has scored more than Tyler. Captain consistent. He really is. He is captain consistent. What is the biggest storyline coming from BYU's win over Santa Clara? Use the hashtag BYUSN to chime in. Thanks to Blaine Fowler, Ken Pomeroy, and everyone on our crew. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BYU Sports Nation. The show on demand on BYUtv.org slash BYUSN and BYUsportsNation.com. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out oh. to Punxsutawney Phil. Nice. Hannah <laughs> dropped her phone. I feel bad. Oh, no. What? We're Said back. it's okay. We're back tomorrow.